good song. I was thinking, I imagine there's somebody out in the room and you're saying reckless love of God. I don't like that word. Oh, then you just haven't thought down through how God loves us. You think about how God loves us and how we love other people. That is a good, good song. I came across it when I was working on a communion service that we're going to do coming up. And that, tremendous, tremendous ideas in that song. Kids are interesting. I remember it like it was yesterday. We went with a group of families for a picnic out at some beach someplace, and, and finally all the kids are entertaining themselves, and they decide to play hide-and-seek. And I'm just observing, you know, I'm not in the game. It's a kid game. They're playing hide-and-seek. But I notice my daughter, Caitlin, and she hides behind a chain-link fence. You say, were you embarrassed? Oh, she, she was young, I don't know, middle school. <laughs> maybe younger, maybe younger, I don't know exactly, I can't remember. <laughs> but I wasn't embarrassed. Actually, I had this comforting thought. I thought, well, I don't have to save any money for college for her. <laughs> oh, games are interesting, like hide-and-seek. Hide-and-seek's a good game. Unless you try to play it with God. Now, you try to play hide-and-seek with God, you're going to lose. He's all-knowing. I mean, think about that. Where are you going to go that he doesn't know? He's everywhere present. You hide behind the tree, he's behind the tree. He's everywhere. You do not want to play hide-and-seek with God. But that's exactly what Jonah did. Jonah tried to play hide-and-seek with God. Here we go. Grab your Bibles. Find the book of Jonah. And your notes. Now, Jonah's a real person. You also find him in 2 Kings 14. He's a prophet to the North Kingdom. Under the reign of Jeroboam. He's got a popular message, actually. He's a kind of a popular guy because he says positive stuff. So here we, we find the story of Jonah. And I've been listening to sermons while I was gone. You guys have been listening to sermons. You've been here. I've been gone. I've been listening to them online. I found out that we're supposed to give Bible characters nicknames. <laughs> like Nebuchadnezzar is Nebi. And you're supposed to say, Nebi, be, be crazy. Okay, Jonah, Jojo. Jojo, and when I say now, you say Jojo be crazy. Let's, let's practice. Now. Okay, here we go. Now the word of the Lord came to Jojo, son of Amittai. Go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it because the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now. That was kind of weak. Jonah ran away from the Lord. Crazy. That's crazy. When he gets where he's going, where's God going to be? Right there. This makes no sense. I know you know this story. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. 
paying the ferry, went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee for the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm that the ship threatened to break up and all the soldiers freak out. They ask Jonah what to do and he says, throw me overboard. When they throw him overboard, we get all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 17, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, All these stories, all these historical accounts of people, they're intended to teach us something. Here we go, right back to the beginning. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Number one, God has something to say to us. He talks to Jonah over and over in this book. I wrote down references where he did, and to the people of Nineveh. He talks to them over and over, and he will talk to us. He does talk to us. He talked to you this last week. Did you hear him? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, but the word of the Lord came to you and me this past week. The only question is, did we hear him? He was speaking. He always speaks. What do we learn? Number one, never take God's word for granted. Never take God's word for granted. It's a privileged thing to have God speak to you. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to read the Bible. Did you read your Bible this morning? Did you read your Bible this past week? It's a privilege to hear God speak to you. When you come to church and hear sermons, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to hear Pastor Steve speak these last weeks. It's a privilege because when he speaks, God speaks through him. He wants to talk to us. We can't take it for granted. Number two, God speaks to children and teens. All the kids in this room who are fifth grade and under, raise your hand right now. Raise it high so I can see it. Fifth grade and under kids, raise your hands all across the room. God wants to talk to you. I know some of you think maybe, and I think some of your parents think maybe, that God doesn't talk to you when you're five and eight. But he does. And some of you who are 5 and 8 and 10, God may be saying, I want you to be a missionary, and he's whispered it in your ear. I know he does that kind of thing because he did it to me. He'll speak to you. Teens in this room, if you listen, God will speak to you. I know he does. He spoke to me when I was a teenager. God speaks to us. Number three, but it's easy to ignore and resist God. That's what's going on in this book. It's easy to ignore or to resist God, to live our lives so loud. Say, what do you mean loud? Busy. Busyness is loudness in our lives. And when we get so busy, we can't hear God. That's why he says, be still and what? Know that I'm God. You have to stop and slow down. You just zip through that one chapter. It's hard to hear God speak, but if you slow down. Number four, we can't just listen to the comforts of God. We also have to listen to the commands of God. Here's where Jonah tripped up. See, it's easy to listen for the comforts of God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for... 
See, we know that verse because it comforts us. Cast all your cares upon Him because He he cares for you. That comforts us. I can do all things through, through Christ who gives me strength. That comforts us. I will never leave you or forsake you so that you may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I have nothing to I have nothing to fear. That comforts us. Absent from the body is to be. See, it's easy to hear those. The hard part is the challenges or commands of God. And we can't just listen to the comforts. We have to listen to the commands of God. And he has them. The Bible's full of them. And here's where Jonah messed up. This is where he messed up. Number two. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, Go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it because the wickedness has come up before me. Number two, God has something he wants us to do. He didn't have just have something he wanted Jonah to do. See, sometimes we read the Bible like that. Oh, God had a mission for Jonah. No, God has a mission for all of us. So write in your notes, every person has an assignment from God. Every person. Every person has an assignment. Say, how do you know that? What, what after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned, circle that, as the Lord has assigned to each of us his task. Everybody gets an assignment from God. I planted the seed, Apollos watered. The assignments are not the same. Everybody has a job to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a job for you. Yes, he does. No joke. By the way, did you have kids by you? Did you turn and say that to them too? Because God has a job for them too. Everybody has an assignment from God. Ephesians chapter 2, where God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In history past, eternity past, God thought about you. He said, I'm going to create this person and I'm going to give them this task. You see that in Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a teacher to the fourth graders in Awana. You say, that's not what that verse says. That is what it says. That, That was just written about Jeremiah specifically, but it's true about you too. God formed you in the womb, and before he formed you in the womb, he knew why he was going to bring you into his family. He didn't bring you into his family so you could sit in this church. That's not why he brought you into the family. Well, he saved me so I could go to heaven. Not likely. That is not why he did it. He saved us because he has something for us to do, every one of us. Each one of us has an assignment from God. The question is, Are we going to do it? The question is, when God speaks, are we going to listen? The question when God assigns us something to do is, are we going to do it? Now, Jonah ran away from the Lord, verse 3, and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the ferry, he went aboard the ship and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. The Lord sent a great wind. But where's Jonah? Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Here we go, number three. Just because everything's working out, it doesn't mean God. it's God's will. We learn this in this story. Just because everything's working out, it doesn't mean it's God's will or that God is pleased. It doesn't mean that. 
God said, go do this, and Jonah said, nope, not doing it. And he left, and he wanted to get away. And he found a ship going in exactly the opposite direction, and he had enough money to pay the fare. And there was a room on the ship for him. And when he got there, he felt so good, he went down, got in his room, got his pillow out, went to sleep, and he went fast asleep because he was completely at peace. Even when the storm came, he didn't wake up. Now, we could think, and he could have thought, and I think maybe he did think, that God was okay with this. But we're learning. Here we go. Number one, daily circumstances don't determine divine approval. Just because everything falls in place, it doesn't mean God did it. Well, we knew we should buy this house because everything fell in place. That is, not, that is not a sign of divine approval. Well, I knew I should buy this car because it just fell in place. I found the car. and you know, I never drive down that road, but I drove down that road, and that car was for sale. And I could just tell that God... Daily circumstances do not determine divine approval. Number two, feeling peace about a decision doesn't provide God's validation of the decision. I cannot tell you how many times since I've been the pastor in this church that someone has said to me, well, I, I, I feel really good about this. Well, <laughs> good. That doesn't prove it's God's will. Do you know people leave their spouse and they feel good about it? They feel good. Of course they feel good. They're leaving all the tension of a real home situation and they're hooking up with this other person where there's all the tingles. Lost tension and got new tingles. Of course it feels good. That doesn't mean God approves. I believe there are people in this room right now, when you have peace about something, you assume that's God. But I'm telling you, the Bible doesn't say peace is a decision-making factor. It doesn't say that. Number three, God's will is in God's text. It's in God's word. This is how we know what to do. This is how we know how to act. This is how we know what he wants. So number four, decision-making begins with commands, clear statements. Be kind one to another, forgiving one another. It's God's will that you forgive people. And if you're holding a grudge right now, you're out of the will of God doesn't matter if you feel good about it. doesn't matter how they're acting. It's the will of God. Whom God hath joined together, let no man. That's clear. That's a clear statement. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Well, I just, I found this unsaved guy and I really like him and I think maybe I can influence him for Jesus Christ. So I'll marry him. We start with commands, then principles. We start with clear commands and then principles. We ask the question, is it wise? Yes, I know that guy's saved that you're thinking about marrying, but is he a jerk? There's lots of Christians you shouldn't marry. All the young people in the room, I want you to hear this loud and clear. There's lots of Christians you shouldn't marry. Can I get an amen from some married people? Amen. There's lots of Christians you shouldn't marry. Why? Because they're lazy jerks. You shouldn't marry them. You say, the Bible doesn't say that. Read Proverbs. It says a lot about it. We've got to start with commands and then principles. We have to ask, is it wise? And it always requires prayer. 
Prayer, lots of prayer. If any person lack wisdom, let them, let them what? Ask of God. Okay? There's lots of lessons in the book of Jonah. In fact, if you read authors, there's so many lessons in the book of Jonah, they don't know where to start and stop. Okay? But they're not the main point of the book of Jonah. Here we go. Number four, the main point of the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is about power struggles. That's what the book of Jonah is about. The book of Jonah is about power struggles, and we have them. We have them at home between husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters. We have them at work, between bosses, employees, between teachers and administration, between employees with other employees. We have them in the church. But the most serious power struggles of all are when we're having a power struggle with God, and that's what Jonah's doing. Jonah's having a power struggle with God. God said to him, go and do this, and Jonah said, no. Now, that's a power struggle. Here's what we're going to learn together, all of us. Number one, every person must bend their will to God. Every person in this room, every 5-year-old, every 15-year-old, every 55-year-old, we have to bend our will to God. We don't only have to do it once, we have to do it over and over, day after day after day, we have to bend our will to God. You say, why is that? Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that it's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Everybody has to bow to Jesus. Everybody in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue, confess, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, their Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We have to bend our will to his, not one time, but day after day. Every day in the Christian life, we have to bend our will to the will of God. My will, God's will, and I have to bend to God's will. It isn't automatic. Every day we have to bend our will to God's will. On this day, this particular day, Jonah said no to God's will. It changed the complete trajectory of his life. We learn obedience isn't optional. It's not optional. The Bible's not a smorgasbord. We get to pick and choose. Be kind. We like that, so we say we should be kind forgiving one another we don't want to forgive somebody so we don't take that part we pick and choose we're stubborn but we don't worry or we worry but we're stubborn here's the problem here's the problem number two sometimes God wants us to do something we don't want to do so I'm going to ask you a serious question Anything in the Bible you don't just want to do? Anything in the Bible that you just don't want to do? You say, no, I want to do it all. Well, it's good to know you're a saint. <laughs> but I can tell you there's things in there that I just don't like on certain days. The problem is, sometimes God wants us to do something we don't want to do. And God wanted Nin Jonah to go up to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians are bad, bad, bad. In fact, they're X-rated bad. In fact, I thought about how I could tell you this this morning. They're so bad, I can't tell you how bad they are. If I actually told you how bad they were, there'd be people in this room mad that your kids are in here when I was saying it. 
they're that bad. If you don't believe me, Google the atrocities of the Assyrians and see. They cut people's heads off, put them on poles, and made their relatives carry them through town. That's some of the nice stuff they did. These were bad, bad people. Jonah said, I'm not going up there. They torture people. And I'm not doing that. Besides that, I don't even like those people. We're going to talk about that later on in this book. So the question is, number three, will we do what God tells us to do or not? Will we do what God tells us to do? You say, Pastor Mendel, don't you mean asks us to do? No, God doesn't ask. Some of you have a dad who asks. Johnny, will you please put the dishes? My dad didn't know the word please. (laughs) Some of you know what I mean. You grew up with a dad who did not use the word please when he was talking to you. He just said, take care of the dishes. Bobby, will you please clean the garage while I'm gone? If you feel like it. No, (laughs) my dad didn't say it like that. That's because he's a dad. And he's not really asking. He's telling. God's not asking in the Bible when he says be kind. It's an order. When he says stop worrying, it's an order. When he says do not complain, it's an order. Say, well, I don't like the sound of that. Makes it sound like God's a boss. A master. A lord the Lord of Lords, and King of Kings. Yeah, it makes him sound like exactly what he is. I know it isn't politically correct, but hey, here's the deal. God tells us to do things, and even if we don't like them, we still have to do it, and that's the rub. Number four, everyone's got their own Nineveh. Everyone. Everybody has something we don't want to do that we know God's telling us to do. And here's what's happening in the room. If you're thinking, if you're saying to God right now, is that true of me? He's popping it in your mind. Right now in the room. Do you know why? Because God talks to us. Some of you know immediately. Because God's been at you about this thing for a while and you've been saying no, 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 no. Some of you in this room, you think I always do what God wants. He's probably talking to you about pride. Start there. Everybody has their own Nineveh. We're not total rebels. That's not what this room is. This room is filled with people who are followers of Jesus Christ. Our problem isn't that we rebel all the time, every day. We just have isolated pockets of rebellion. Something that God's trying to get us to do and we say no. Jonah didn't say no all the time. He was a prophet. He was a preacher. He didn't say no all the time. He just said no this time. Because God finally asked him to do something he didn't want to do. We come to church and we hear sermons and but we don't like what God's saying. You say, well, God's not saying it. You're saying it. right from the text so what's your Nineveh here you go in your notes 
Maybe it has to do with speech. That's number one. Maybe God's talking to you about something you're, you're doing with your mouth, like complaining. Maybe he's been saying it over and over, and you're saying something like this. Well, I just struggle with that. That just means you're giving yourself a pass. Well, we don't get a pass. Maybe it's gossip. Or maybe God wants you to witness to somebody, and he's been saying to you day after day, talk to that person, invite them. Day after day, you refuse. Maybe number two, maybe it has to do with money. Oh, yes, God talks to us about money. It's very, very important to us. It's very, very important to most of us in this room. Much more important than we want to let on. So yes, God talks to us. You hear about something and God speaks to you and says, give. Maybe he's trying to get you to tithe and you're just refusing. I don't have enough money to do it. Maybe number three, it's a sin. He's telling you to stop like, porn and you're hearing the stats that lots of men look at it that just means lots of men are rebelling that's all that means it doesn't give you an excuse to or me is it popping in your head yet the thing God's been telling you and you're saying no Maybe number four, it's some area of service. Maybe last week when they put the thing out to work in children's church, work in Sunday school, work in the nursery, you felt inside God nudge you and say, do it. You said, I served my sentence in the nursery. I served in there when I had a kid. They made me serve in there, and my sentence is done. I'm not going in there again. Maybe it's an Awana table. When you see it, you think, I ought to do something like that. That's God. Number five, maybe kids and teens, maybe it's obedience. Maybe God's talking to you about obeying your parents. You say, well, I don't really like what they're saying to me. It doesn't matter. Maybe he's talking to you about honor and respect. Or maybe it's lying. Amen in the room. Number six, maybe it's about priorities, about putting your family above your hobbies, above friends, above work. Or women, number seven, maybe it's about worry or fear. Maybe number eight, it's about forgiveness. Maybe God's trying to talk to you about forgiving someone. Maybe he said it over and over to you. Forgive this person. Let it go. But you won't let it go. They hurt you and you think if I let that go, they'll just do it again. Yeah, that's reckless love. That's what that is. No excuses now. God's talking to you. He talks to us and he says, do this, stop this, start this, change this. And we resist. Because we don't like it. So leads me to my last little question. 
See, the book of Jonah isn't only about us and our power struggles. The book of Jonah isn't only about a guy and a fish. Actually, the fish is only mentioned four times, but God's mentioned 40 times. The book of Jonah is, of course, about God. Say, what's it telling us about God? Well, let me ask this question. Does God know what's best? Does he? Why did Adam and Eve eat the fruit? Say, what? Come on. Why did Adam and Eve eat the fruit? Why? Because they thought it would be good for them, even though God said it would be bad for them. Why does a young guy sleep with his girlfriend? Why does the girlfriend sleep with him? Why? Well, you know why. Because they think it will be good for them even though God says it will be bad for them. Why do we complain when we know God doesn't want us to complain? Because we think complaining will somehow make us feel better when God says complaining will be bad for us. And it all comes down to the question, this bending our will to God, does God know what is best or not? Was God right when he said that Jonah should go to Nineveh? Was he right? Have you been listening to Pastor Steve? Because he spoke on Genesis 18, I know. He spoke on in Genesis 18, and particularly on the verse, will not the God of all the world do what is What's the word? And he said that day, God always does what's right because God is right. He's the standard for right. Whenever we're rebelling against God, we're saying, I know better than God. So Cindy and I went down to Tennessee. While we were down there, not just in the last couple of weeks, but while we were down there, we saw a mother bear with two cubs. And we thought we should get nice and close and get some pictures. <laughs> you say you didn't. We did. <clears throat> so <clears throat> there was about 20 other people there, 30 maybe, and, and we were all quite close to this. Like, Sam, put your hand up. We were that close to this mother bear and these two cubs, and we're taking pictures. Cindy's taking pictures. I'm standing there. And a ranger came and said, get back. But Cindy is very rebellious. <laughs> I'm just telling you this. And she didn't move an inch. She's still snapping. Tick, 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 tick. And I nudged her, and I said, don't you think maybe we ought to move back? And she said, shut up, Bob. No, it wasn't exactly those words, but she said something like this. I want to get some better pictures. And I said, the ranger said we should move back, but she's very rebellious. <laughs> and she said, look at that couple over there. And she pointed at a bigger, older couple. They were bigger and older. And she said, we can outrun them. And I was shocked. 
this story has some truth to it, but perhaps people have been changed. <laughs> I can't quite remember now how this went. You say, really, that she told you, the ranger told you to get back, and you went back. No, we didn't. We stayed right where we were, dead planted. No, none of the other 30 moved either. Not one. And she told us several times, but you know the, you know the reason we didn't move? Because we thought we knew more than she knew. Finally, <laughs> finally, when she couldn't get the people's attention, she yelled at the bear and clapped her hands and yelled much better, and then the bear moved away. And so we had to follow. No, no, we didn't. We didn't. We stopped. We stopped. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Here we go. If God says drinking's unwise, drinking's unwise. If God says tithing is good, tithing is good. If God says porn is evil and destructive, it's evil and destructive. If God says complaining is wrong, it's wrong. If God says purity is best, it's best. If God says worry is unnecessary, it's unnecessary. If God says pride is a sin, it's a sin because God always knows what is right and best. And every time we rebel, we're saying, I know more than you, and God doesn't like it. God does not like it. What happens in the rest of the chapter is evidence that God doesn't like it, and we're going to talk about that next week. But for this week, everybody in this room, we have to bend our will to God's. We don't have to like what he says, we just have to do what he says because he is the Lord God of all the world. And even when we think it's true, it's not true, that we know better than God. God knows better than us. Let's stand together. Father, I pray you will help us this week to bend our will to yours, to do what you tell us to do. And Father, that thing you pointed out to us this morning, that one where we're saying no, on that one, I pray that you'll help all the different people in this room. You'll help us to do it this week, to say yes. And then, Father, we'll rely upon your promise that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.